start a new series this morning entitled, as you just saw, Heartbeat. I'm going to ask you to read with me from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Let's read this together. And let us not consider, and let us consider, excuse me, how we may spur one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That verse alone is huge, especially after the year and a half that we have gone through trying to encourage people to get back to worship, uh, to gather together. And I encourage you, I thank you for being here today as we get started. I want this to be an encouragement to you for your presence here. But in the same breath, I want to encourage you to try to come three weeks in a row and see who else is coming. Because what is absolutely blowing me away, not only here, but also at our Wadsworth campus, every week is a different crowd. Like this week, those of you that are here, most of you were not here last week, but those who were here last week aren't here this week. And so if you could consistently try to go three weeks spurt, give it all you got, I want to encourage you to do that to see what God is doing. The writer of this letter says, I want you to encourage one another. I want the church to be a place that has the heartbeat of encouragement. Because you and I will never make it on our own. We were not meant to do life alone. I wonder if we have any idea how important it is to be encouraged. I believe deep down inside of every single person that breathes is a tiny little verse that says, please encourage me. Somebody please encourage me. Somebody pr please breathe life into me. Who needs that? Yeah, I'll tell you one person that needs it. I do. I need it. I need somebody to remind me of who God, what God thought of when he first thought me up. When God first wired me up. I need somebody to remind me of my, what my life is, but yet what God has in store for it yet to be. I get scared sometimes at my capacity for my mind to drift, for my spirit and my passion to drift. I get scared at my complacency sometimes, the fact that I can get self-absorbed and sometimes just plain out tired. I need somebody to speak life into me and say, it's worth it. It's worth it. Keep on keeping on. Yes, there's a little voice inside of every single one of us that says, somebody please encourage me. This past week, Across the internet, it kept popping up a picture of Robin Williams, who, again, we know tragically took his life. But the quote that kept appearing, I kept seeing it over and over again, so I put it within this message. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind, always. Inside of every single one of us is a little voice that cries, somebody please encourage me. How are you doing on this one? Do you have a heartbeat of encouragement when it comes to other, others? 
Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's probably one of the biggest lies we've told to our kids. You know, a broken bone will heal, but a harsh word, a hurting word towards us can last for a long, long time. Solomon said in Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In the verbal arena, I sometimes find myself more on the demolition team than on the construction crew. So how can we have words of encouragement to communicate others to others that we want to build them up? Reckless words can cause a lot of damage, but a wise person can bring healing with encouraging words. And so my goal for us, especially today, is that we would draw a line in the sand, so to speak, and think, you know what, I'm going to be more intentional to give encouraging words rather than discouraging words to others. Jesus was the ultimate encourager. His heartbeat is the model for us. I want to focus on just one example that he gives by the way he treated a Roman centurion. Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13. You can follow on your app or it'll be on the screen. I want to read this entire uh, section. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, I will go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell one, go, and he goes. And, the, and the, I tell one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west, and they will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that very hour. The closer you look at this encounter, you can pull out ways that Jesus encouraged this guy. First, he encouraged the man in front of others. Get the setting. Here's a Roman centurion, a Gentile, standing in the midst of people who were mostly Jewish. They would have hated this man because of the way the Romans had oppressed the Jewish people. So they're thinking, who is this guy to be asking a favor of Jesus? They also understand that this man was a leader of over 100 soldiers. Yet at this moment, he's a fish out of water. But Jesus used encouragement to set him at ease. When asked to come and heal the man's paralyzed servant, Jesus instantly transforms the setting by encouraging this guy in front of the entire group. Jesus said, I'll go and heal him. He's sensitive to the man's situation and gives specific encouragement 
to show him love and concern. When you and I are trying to encourage someone, the more specific we can be rather than general, the more weight it carries. I received a text last Sunday afternoon that just made my day. By the time Sunday mornings were over and we load in and we load out and go through the whole morning, picking up the trailer, etc., I am whipped. And I get a text and it says this. Jeff and Brenna, I appreciate you both so much. Don't stop being God's example to others. Not long, but very specific. And I thought, okay, God. It doesn't take much to encourage someone else. Matthew 8, 8 says, the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, the thought of a Jew at that time was that a Gentile, a thought of a godly Jew entering the house of a Gentile at that time was unheard of. So the centurion is basically saying, Jesus, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't need you coming into my house. I don't want to make you unclean. So he protects him. But he says, just say the word and my servant will be healed. You don't have to come, Jesus. I know I have the faith that all you got to do is speak it. And it's going to happen. Incredible faith for a sight unseen physical healing. This is the first time Jesus had been asked to heal from a distance. Jesus turned to the crowd and said, I've not seen faith like this. Right in front of everybody, he said it. Solomon, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Is it like this for you? I can look at who a text comes from. I can see that I'm receiving a text. Or I can see my list of emails. And I can see who sent me an email. And I already know whether that email or text is going to be positive or negative. Anybody have anybody like that? I know whether that text or email is going to be encouraging or one that just puts you up against the wall. I kind of like to stay away from those. I hold off on those. You and I have opportunities to encourage and not discourage every single day by the choices we make, especially in front of others. For instance, when you're at a dinner party, and you admire your husband's worth ethic. You say something about it. And you're, he's sitting next to you with all these other people around. Those words are going to flow a lot further than his boss's words ever could. When you're taking prom pictures of your daughter. With all of her friends there. And you say, honey, you've never looked more beautiful than you look tonight. Her friends are like, wow. And she's like, beaming. It means so much more than if you took her aside and said it in private. When you got the whole team together after the game and you praise a mediocre player for a good defensive play, it means much more than saying it to a parent who will relay it to that player later. When you're in a meeting and you tell your boss, you are the greatest person in the world, well, then you're just kissing up to your boss, right? 
Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Listen to some of Jesus' words of encouragement. You'll remember the instances that he gave these. Jesus said, woman, you have great faith. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. This poor widow has put more in than all the others. Neither do I condemn you. Condemn you Now go and leave your life of sin. Your brother will rise again. Today salvation has come to this house. And on this occasion, Jesus said, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Secondly, I want you to see that he complimented the man's character. Complimented his character. Verse 10. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished. And he said to those following him, I tell you the truth. I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. And I'm pretty certain that in verse 10, Matthew talks about the only time that Jesus was ever astonished in all of Scripture. There's a lot of other times where people were astonished at Jesus' teachings, at Jesus' healings, but Jesus was astonished at this guy's faith. That means jaw-dropping, eye-opening amazement, an unbelievable moment. And that was Jesus' reaction to this guy's faith. Jesus could have just healed the centurion's servant, but he commended this guy as well, proving sometimes words are even more powerful than actions. Usually when we try to encourage someone or compliment somebody, oftentimes it's kind of superficial. You know, I, like I say, Zach, I really like your boots today, man. They're really cool. And you know, you really, you look amazing today. We always keep it kind of surface where Jesus would encourage us to appreciate and encourage someone deeper, deeper. Your heart, your heart for people, wow, it's unreal. The way you've guarded your reputation, way to go. I love it when you take time for a new employee out of your schedule. Speak into their heart, speak into their soul. Now sometimes encouragement and positive things are not the only things that come out of our mouths. I realize that. You can't interact, interact with people and have that about you. There are going to be moments. In fact, we just spoke last week on constructive criticism when that is needed and necessary at, at times. Out of the same mouth that the words, never have I seen great, such great faith, also came the words to his disciples, O ye of little faith. So he was able to balance it. Encouraging words are not sappy, false flattery. They must be real and from our hearts. Third, he gives hope for the man's future. Continuing in this story, verses 11 and 12. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Verses 11 and 12 can kind of be confusing. But let me summarize that Jesus is trying to teach the Jewish crowd at the same time he's trying to encourage the Roman centurion. He's saying, now listen, don't think that your nationality or your heritage is what's going to save you someday and get you into heaven. Your faith, as this man has demonstrated, is what God's looking for. That's what matters. And so he uses this as a teachable moment for everybody there to encourage those who believe, but also to encourage those who need to have more faith. Gary Chapman, in his book, The Five Love Languages, writes this. I am amazed at how many individuals mess up every new day with yesterday. They insist on bringing into today the failures of yesterday, and in so doing, pollute a potentially wonderful day. Wow. It's hard to have hope for the future if we remain chained to the past. It's hard to have hope for tomorrow and even today if we're chained to the past. Some situations take some time to pass and to change. But let's make certain you and I look for opportunities to take steps in this area so we can control at least what we speak into people's lives, giving them hope for the future in Jesus Christ. Evangelist Bill Glass, who worked in prisons for years, once asked a group of a thousand inmates, he said, how many of you had parents who told you that one day you would end up in prison? Raise your hands. He said nearly 95% of those inmates raised their hands and said they had parents who would look at them and say, one day you're going to end up in prison. Proverbs 15, 4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I was fortunate enough to be raised in a Christian home with Christian parents who encouraged me constantly. The reason I have confidence today, aside from Jesus Christ in my life, and the reason I have a drive, and the reason why I keep on keeping on has a lot to do with my parents, where every single night, my mom especially would tuck me in as a little boy and pray and say, Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with this guy. Lord, I'm placing him in your hands. God, I know you're going to do great things. So never, ever, ever have I questioned, God, can you use me? Because it was ingrained in me as a child that God could use me. Parents, your kids need that. No matter what their age, your kids need you to speak that into them. Our son, Brent, is a whole lot like this. He needs encouraged and he needs it spoken into him all the way back when he was about five years old. I'll never forget, we went through the whole t-ball and all the baseball stuff, but I'll never forget when he was learning how to hit a baseball. One time he was getting ready to hit the ball and he just stopped and looked up at Brenna and he said, Mommy, I'll hit and you cheer. I'll hit and you cheer. 
That's what they want. That's what everybody needs. I'll hit you cheer. Cheer me on. One more. Jesus proved his words could be trusted. Verse 13 again. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, and it will be done just as you believed it would. And the servant was healed. When? That very hour. Wow. That very hour. Matthew doesn't wait to give us the rest of the story. He wants us to know that Jesus' words can be trusted. That Jesus is going to come through in his power every single time, even through a long-distance healing. If we're constantly breaking promises, we're constantly letting people down, then our words will lose their meaning. Our words will lose their effectiveness. Gary Smalley, Smalley in his best-selling book, The Blessing, says that when it comes to verbal encouragement, the most common mistake that parents and grandparents make is saying, I'll tell them tomorrow. I'll tell them tomorrow. Been through with many people who have regretted thinking, I'll tell them tomorrow. It's just a month ago or so that Henry, our, our drummer, everybody knows Henry, went over to the hospital in Akron. And his dad wasn't, they weren't expecting his dad to make it through. I remember sitting in a little cafeteria in Akron General area with Henry and, and him voicing just these words. I really haven't had time to talk to him. They won't let us in. I can't see him. What if he's gone? Well, his dad made a little turnaround. And then just this morning as I was picking up the trailer to come here, I picked it up in Wadsworth, Brad called me. This Henry just got word that his dad is unresponsive this morning. And he's just torn apart. Well, thankfully, right now, as I speak, they seem to be bringing him back around and Hopefully things are going to take an upturn. But I, I bring that up to say, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Anybody that's in our life right now, they're not guaranteed to be there tomorrow. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Who is it that needs you to speak into their life right now? Who is it that needs you to encourage them this coming week? Your spouse? Grandchild? Your own child? 
coworker, neighbor, old friend, teacher. I want to take a few moments just for you to bow your heads. And I want you to pray to God. This simple prayer, God, who is it that this week I need to breathe life into? And then react on that through an email, through a text, through a surprise visit. Ask God who it is that you need to go to this week. Let's just bow our heads and and direct that towards him. Stand with me, please. Probably the one that needs to hear encouraging words from us the most is God himself. God himself. He deserves our praise. He deserves our encouragement. He deserves our thanks. But most of all, he need need and deserves to know that we know who he is in our heart of hearts. It's one of the most encouraging things we can say to God is the statement that's on the screen. If you believe this in your heart of hearts, I want you to read it and let's say this out loud to him. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, my Lord and my Savior. Well, speaking of encouragement... I have some encouraging news this morning that we have been praying about and I've dropped little hints about all summer long while we're at the parks and we it's finalized the lease is not signed yet but we have a building Um, that's awesome Um, the county just has to approve it which is kind of a we've been talking to them so we know that's going to happen and then the lease will be signed, but it is pretty much 99.9% sure that we are moving forward. The building, good job, guys. Behind me, this is it. Um, This is the sign that's been approved and all the stuff we had to go through to get to this point. But if you go up uh, Pearl, straight up Pearl, past Panera, past Walmart, crossover Finn, it's right there on the right-hand side, next to the soccer store, pet supply place. That is where it is. Um, so what's next? Next is 
we're going to have a lot of service opportunities. One of the reasons I haven't restarted our small group is because a lot of the time is going to be put here in this place. The, the first date is November 27th at 9 a.m., so you're going to want to work off your Thanksgiving turkey, right? You're going to eat all that stuffing. This is a great day to bring a sledgehammer and show up because there are cubicles inside this place that have to come out. And bottom line, we're saving about $7,000 by going in and demo demoing it ourselves. Mike Pierce's, who attends Northside, his construction company's running it. So they're allowing us to bring in volunteers to do various things. And the first one is to demo it and clear it out. They'll bring gloves and glasses and supervise us uh, when we make that happen. But you'll hear more about that, but November 27th, 9 a.m. Leading up to that, every year, you know at Wadsworth, we have an annual Thanksgiving offering where we challenge people to give above and beyond their normal tithe. This year for Medina, that offering is going to go towards the chairs that people are going to sit in in this building. So we're hoping to raise enough, I believe it's like oh, $10,000 for these chairs to make sure they're provided when we go in. The challenge is for you and I to buy a chair that we're going to sit in and also buy a chair that our family members are going to sit in, but then as many other people as you wish to bring, buy their chairs. All right, they're about $60 a piece uh, for those chairs to happen. We'll be able to grow in here. Uh, we'll be able to seat about 180 people in here. And once we hit 140, 150, as God blesses, we will add a second service. All right, so we'll continually turn over and do that. But the good news is we'll have this seven days a week, which will allow us to do various studies um, and outreach opportunities to the community. Uh, those of you remember about two years ago or three, um, we did the Homeroom Hope. We will do the Homeroom Hope here. And uh, it will have a bigger impact in the Medina area, I believe, than it ever could have had in the Wadsworth area simply because of all the outreach opportunities that are here. Not only I mentioned, we are very close to Brunswick in this location as well. So a lot of our outreach will be done in Brunswick, Brunswick as well. This year at the uh, Candlelight Walk, we've already got 3,000 glow sticks ordered, and we'll attach to those as we walk around the parade. But the good news is <laughs> we're going to be able to say Northside Christian Church at 327 Pearl Road in Medina. Come join us, all right? So, awesome. Uh, I think I got it all without my notes. What do you say? Oh, good move, Ken. Anticipated date, uh, probably within the first part of February is the best guess. Uh, maybe the first Sunday of February. They were told that it could be two months max, but one month at the best. So we're looking probably first weekend in February uh, to go in there, best case scenario. So God is good. And that means these guys, bless their hearts, 
will not have to drag stuff in and set up every week until they've been amazing uh, at the way they've handled this. So let's stand and let's praise God one more time. Let me pray and then we'll sing one final chorus. God, thank you so much. You are so good. And yes, God, you are so faithful every single time. God, thank you for blessing us as a church. God, thank you for every single person that's here that has been so steadfast, God. <laughs> whether we're meeting in 39, 40-degree weather outside, God, or whether we're meeting in a facility, God, that's been so, so generous to us to be here. God, we're your church. We're your people. God, the building doesn't matter. What matters is, God, that we come together for the sole purpose of growing closer to you ourselves, but God, ultimately reaching those who do not yet know your son, who can't make the statement we made a few moments ago. We praise you, we honor you. In Jesus.